Welcome to You Don't Even Like This Band, a podcast about bands you probably don't even like. We hope you don't know this one. With your hosts, Adam Todd Brown, Andy Sell, and Travis Clark. I'm so excited. We're finally doing episode two of $3 Pod, y'all. Oh, my God. The prequels. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome, America, to $3 Pod, y'all. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I am Travis fucking Clark. And who's joining us as co-host? I'm Andy Sell. Andy fucking Sell. <laughs> Do we have to have It's hell in the cell. <laughs> $3 Pod, y'all. <laughs> this is the long-awaited second episode we recorded the first episode, and we launched it as a little jokey joke thing. I have a question. Two, okay. Actually, two. Was it awaited? Was it, were there people awaiting There us? are people who are legit excited about okay. this. We get, we get tweets about it. Still? We get I mean, comments jokes, on Patreon. The jokes run its course, I think, at this point. Yeah, but there's still people out there who think it's not a joke. Right. <laughs> and they won't, they won't stop bothering us about it. Listen, I came into this as a skeptic to begin with. But if the people want a $3 pod, y'all podcast, God damn it, I'm going to do it. And that's why I respect you. Thank they're- you. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to get the podcast they deserve. When you get 61 reviews that all say dank, you know you have to keep going. Yeah, we haven't forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. We have screenshotted them, and we're still going to send out the books. Andy, you get a book because we should mention. Are we writing books? Kyle <laughs> no, Clark's no. not here. <laughs> he's not. Obviously, he's Kyle on, had. He's on assignment. <laughs> Kyle is on assignment and was <laughs> unable to join us for the rest of Three Dollar Pod because who knew this would be a real thing? I I, I didn't. <laughs> I had no clue. I had to text Andy at the middle of the night to be like, are you going to do this? And his response was, in all caps, I suppose. <laughs> That's true. That is. that is. Well, then I'm glad accurate. we're all on the same page about how we feel about this podcast. I'd like to make a quick apology to one uh, early 20s myself, because he would be very mad I'm doing this. And then secondly, I'd like to apologize that in the first episode, I had the audacity to misidentify the band Videodrome as Jonathan Davis's brother's band. That was incorrect. Everyone knows that's actually Edema. Now, don't play or hate. Congratulate. Let's move on to topics. Uh, How dare you, Travis? I didn't realize all of that happened. I didn't. I I don't know what he said just now. (laughs) I'm going to have to listen to this later and play it back (laughs) in slow motion. Well, my point is there were a lot of shitty bands from Bakersfield, and sometimes you get the names wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I didn't know they had music in Bakersfield. (laughs) It's the sound of hope dying. They've recorded it. (laughs) They put it out under different names. It's a field recording. So we should, the first episode we did with Kyle, it was it was just kind of a, a loose thing where we were talking about our history with Limp Biscuit, what we know about them, if anything, and Andy didn't get to participate I in didn't, that. I didn't, but I can mm, catch you up magic. real quick. Let's yeah. hear it. Uh, none. <laughs> You've never yeah. owned an album? I've never owned a Limp Biscuit album. Mm. I, uh, I, do, I do, look, I have an appreciation for the song Break Stuff. 
And what and what and what would that appreciation be? I mean, it exists on the same plane as my appreciation for the Owl City song "Fireflies." So that should tell you something about it, Oof. but for different reasons. You love wow. people who are just up in the middle of the night making music on a computer. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay. I mean, look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a cis male in America. I've experienced rage. You know? <laughs> it being the only emotion American males are allowed to express. I, well, that's correct. Um, uh, publicly. Shut up, yeah. Andy! <laughs> Andy! Get the fuck off this podcast! Uh, then, yeah, the song Break Stuff is great for me. Um, what about the video? How do you feel about the video for Break Stuff? I don't know if I remember the video. Oh, there's a lot of boob shaking. Uh, there is so much. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's, they essentially found a lot of teen, teens who wanted to break things and let them skate and shake their tits and yell. Uh, it's pretty great. Okay. And I think teens should be allowed to do that. I don't. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Have you, you never seen the Smells Like Teen Spirit? I think we could argue that break stuff is the Smells Like Teen Spirit. Of, of rap rock, yeah. I, of rap absolutely. rock. I, sure. Yeah. I Wow, I'm regretting this. Just decision. one of those things what? that just changed the game. And you know what it did? I think it changed everything. It did if change I'm not everything. Mistaken. Yeah, I think. Look, they were shaking their boobs. What do we? Uh, yeah, who? a girl, not not Limp Biscuit. Limp Biscuit wasn't there. <laughs> the shaking angry, Is that what you were picturing? The angry. T- yeah, it was, <laughs> it was a weird time. CGI was kind of new. That's <laughs> it was true. Being used That's by a true. lot of music video directors. No, there's a particularly a, a large-breasted girl who takes her top off and she has a bra on and she's just kind of kind of shaking them yeah, things, sh- shaking them out. I think each so breast should be one should be Wes and one should be Fred, just sort of put on there. I want what I'm saying is there's, I want Chris more Cunningham than... to reshoot. Okay, the, the, the break stuff. Video. But where are we putting the rest of the band? Where are we putting DJ Lethal in this boob mix? That's a good question. Can he be on Fred Durst's nose? Like his face is on Fred Durst's nose like he's the nipple? So you want areola faces of Wes and Fred on the boobs and then the actual nipple tip. You would like to be DJ Lethal and whatever the bass player guy's name is and John Otto. Where's John Otto the drummer? Where are we putting John Otto? Okay. So (laughs) I was thinking less that they're the areola face. Like their faces take up the entire breast. Oh, the the whole The whole whole breast is on there. You know what I mean? Okay. And then you've got... Yeah, I guess the nipple tip would be would be uh, a DJ Lee. Okay, make it happen, Unpops fans. Let's let's put together yeah. your Photoshop skills. I also say this. Here's my even if you need to sell it in an Etsy store, we know work, <laughs> work like that's not going to be cheap. <laughs> my contribution to this is mostly going to be ideas like this. Is going to be proposals for things. sure. I already but, know this, having gone through the notes. But for it's today. also it's a learning experience for all of right. us, right? Yeah. Because I don't think any of us came into this. Knowing the history of no, yes. I certainly did. I I know very little. I know that I didn't like people that listened to Limp Bizkit uh, at the time. Andy, they were you big. and I are on the same page. I was, yeah. a, you know, I was a punk rock kid. You same know? page. And this was also, I think, that they got big at a time when I wasn't really into popular music. When were you into popular general. music? Yeah, I guess never. Okay, yeah, I feel like that was never. I think we're going to do all of these episodes, and and at the end of this journey, we're going to find out the Limp Biscuit was inside of us the whole time. <laughs> that's, oh, the that's Limp an Biscuit was the way friends we made along the way. <laughs> so I should point out that all of the research for these early episodes obviously comes from the aptly titled book. Limp Biscuit, written by Colin Devonish. It is the only oh. book about Limp Biscuit on the market. 
It ends after their third album. <laughs> Hold on. The book is just called Limp Biscuit. It's just called Limp Biscuit. It's Andy. their it's their self titled book debut. It's really solid. <laughs> Colin Devonish, uh, he went on to do. We don't know. He wrote a he, book about Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> that's right. He did. <laughs> no, he that's sure see, did. that book I would read probably. I mean, I guess I'm going to read this one too. Going? You, you, you sure are. You we haven't. Have a- we have a copy for you <laughs> yes. that I can send home with you. <laughs> Welcome it. to your new Bible. Yeah. Do you this know is, how many books your, I'm reading for ghoul school right now? <laughs> this is your playbook for the next six weeks. Yeah. Learn it on command. I don't know what that means. Learn it on command. I think we're going to have to, next episode, have Andy recite passages. From, we're just going to pick a page. Yeah. And see yeah. if he can recite a passage from that page. Page 79, paragraph go, 3. Go! Word 4. <laughs> I like that. Wrong. Like it's what you the. did there. What did I do? Go! Go! <laughs> Read that page! <laughs> oh, that's right. Also, too, we should point out Jonathan Davis of Corn, while not part of um, Limp Biscuit, is available to give life advice on this podcast. So if anybody has a question, yep. uh, Jonathan Davis gives uh, life advice on this podcast. Yeah, if you have anything you need dealt with, Andy. Jonathan Davis. Well, I have a problem, Jonathan. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) All all day I dream about sex. (laughs) (laughs) That's coming for people of your age. Um. (laughs) Oh, so much fun. So, yeah, this is episode two. We've gotten past episode one. We did it. I don't think we have. <laughs> I feel like we haven't like emotionally gotten past. I it. mean, you know, it's, it's we're going through the seven stages. Yeah, yeah, we are. We're planning six episodes. I think we can get six episodes out of the history of Limp Biscuit. Absolutely. Judging from the juicy material mm. in the first part of the book, Limp Biscuit, written by Colin Devonish. I would tell you to go out and buy it, but I think we bought all the remaining I copies. Think so I think we own on them the all. market for a combined fourteen dollars and twenty eight cents. Should hold on to those. That'll make them worth something. You know? Look, by the we're going to sign them. Yeah, by the end of this <laughs> six uh, episode podcast, those will easily have gone up in. What do you think? Thirty cents? Yeah, they'll be yeah, easily. Yeah, yeah. they there will be a market. For the it. return on that, if we sold all copies, will be close to a dollar. So <laughs> pretty good. So <laughs> the the book starts with some some history of mostly just Fred Durst and Wes Borland. Cause, you I know, mean, that's who we focus on when we yeah. when you think of Limp Biscuit. I still don't know the bass player's name. I feel bad about it. John, I think John Otto is the drummer. Then Sam Rivers is the bass player. Okay, and DJ Lethal is the DJ. DJ Lethal, formerly of House of Pain. Formerly yeah. of House of Pain. Yeah, and then they would go on to have beef with House of Pain at one point, or and with Everlast, Everlast, with Everlast Just directly, with Everlast. Gave him a heart attack mm-hmm. in the studio. Well, I mean, everyone remembers that. You know who who was on a track with Santana? Probably both of them at one point. Oh. <laughs> Santana really hoarded up in the nineties. I think you're thinking of Rob Thomas. No, no, Everlast, Everlast had a track on that album. Well, he too. did too. Yeah, yeah. Keep the lights on. That whole album was him was Carlos Santana and you know the band doing like. Songs with other people. With other people, yeah. Right, but Dave it, it, Matthews, I think, was on one. Yep. They had Everlast. Wasn't had it Santana Y-class. just going, please find me relevant? Please? What it do I worked. need to do? Right. Yeah, yeah. But everybody, they, everyone holds on specifically to the Rob Thomas. Right. Well, that, was Rob, that Rob Thomas song was amazing. Yeah. 
It was really good. It's a hot one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think the measurement between the midday sun in that lyric, and I didn't want to fuck it up and not show that song the respect it deserves, so I didn't go for it. So let's uh, let's go let's let's unpack a quote from Fred Durst. Oh, sweet! I love a Durst quote. I've been listening to hip hop since I was twelve. I grew up in North Carolina, and my friends were black. And I was listening to Michael Jackson and Donna Summer and Led Zeppelin. It didn't matter when hip hop came out to the world in the eighties. I was feeling it, and then I just became a part of it, busting rhymes, breakdancing, and everything when I was like twelve or thirteen years old. Okay, here's a question. How old is Fred Durst? <laughs> he's uh, uh, he's a man of 50, I believe, at this I point. I bet he's pushing yeah. 50, or mid-40s at least. Yeah. All right, that sounds... Are you, are you doing the math? Are you doing the Durst I'm math I'm trying on to this? do the math in my head. I'm not good at math. Yeah, okay. it would have been like late, like late, mid to late 80s. Well, then this would put him solidly within Generation X. Oh, yeah. Well, what'd you want That's him to be? That's crazy Where to did me. you want him to be? Do you want him to be a millennial or a baby boomer? I mean, I Where think he's you... a little bit above. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, he's a millennial boomer. I think he yeah. has more in common with either of those generations than he does with the Gen Xers. It's... I don't think so, because he leveraged that Gen X suburban rage into wealth. Yeah, but the Gen X suburban rage, it's weird, because then he came after the mark that all the other Gen Xers made. You know what I mean? Like... Like the Gen X thing. Are you trying to tell me you think Limp Bizkit is derivative? <laughs> well, that, well, he came after, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, it, after the world had learned that teenage angst has paid off well. Pays off well. But it, now I'm bored. Yeah. And yeah. old. And was born, Kurt, apparently. I forgot Kurt that you guys the, also do a Nirvana oh, podcast. <laughs> Kurt was the ultimate in bored also, and old. fuck you. Yes. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck me. For asking me to be on this one and not that one. <laughs> We're recording one after this. If you want to be on that, you want you want a guest on a on the Nirvana podcast? I'll guest on it. Yeah, right, it's, cool. it's a fun. A, it's about the yeah. the Isaiah Silva story and the the guitar. Have you heard anything about that? No. It's oh. basically an episode about the life of the guitar Kurt Cobain played on Nirvana. Oh, Plus. this is yeah. I'm yeah, in. I'm in. Cool. cool. Can you submit some clips and like some recent <laughs> credits, and then we'll get back to you. We're booked pretty far in advance, but uh, we'll keep you in mind. Well. <laughs> I look. I I don't have any tape right now. That's cool. But I'm no gonna... one uses tape anymore, so that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, we asked for a video. We didn't ask for tape. That's that's. So... Do they not still call it tape? No, no. Sorry, man. That's just not how we how. So I I'm... don't understand. I'm a Gen Xer. <laughs> so okay. So Fred Durst says this right about culture. Like he was on the forefront of hip hop. Like when it came out was. Well, I don't I think, know if he was on the forefront, but it was like he was because that was seventy nine. No, right? he's saying like when it kind of became like a commercial, right. thing. like the golden when it hit Florida. Yeah, <laughs> golden, exactly. yeah, yeah, the golden age of hip hop is considered to be like eighty seven to, to ninety four, one like ninety one, oh. ninety two, even. And I think he was like in high school around that time, and he's just saying that he was he was the white dude that was into rap music, Andy. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that. I took, the, yeah, because that's your that's your I, I took, that's your origin story. I, yeah, I listened to nothing but rap music till I was twenty three. Yeah. I took two shorts second album on cassette to school in sixth grade and just walked around with a Walkman and let my fellow classmates hear him rapping about <laughs> pimping hoes and having sex with Nancy Reagan in the White House. Is Too Short the Dwarf who got his eye shot out? 
That is not too short. <laughs> Who is, am I thinking of? That is Bushwick. That Bell. was uh, that's uh, Warwick Davis and Leprechaun. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry, where did they're in space? No, that's uh, that's four. that was that's too short. Oh, four. Sorry, that's too short. <laughs> too short went to space, right? And yeah. collected shoes. That was the album I took to school. Too okay, short. Cool, in cool, space. cool, 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 cool. Yeah, it's one of my favorite sequels. So, <laughs> so meanwhile, West Borland, everyone's. Favorite member of Limp Biscuit, arguably the most visible. Yeah, he's always seemed like the least douchey one, but also he's in Limp Biscuit. Mm-hmm. So, but he also is constantly quitting Limp Biscuit. Like, yeah, he seems like he's about as much of a fan as Limp Biscuit as Andy and I are. Yeah, he's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's his day job. Basically. It's exactly what it is. Yeah, he's just like I'm just gonna keep doing this till I really take off <laughs> in my blacklight burns and my weird dumb face. And uh, oh, it just yeah. never happened. So now he's doing the Limp Biscuit cruise. Do you know they have a cruise? No. Are we going? We're going. I think we should. We have to do a live episode. How are on we the not cruise. on that? Yeah, we'll get on it. This is episode two. That's how we're not on. <laughs> Pace yourself. What's Travis. the name of the cruise? I don't know. Probably rolling. I don't know. Uh, breaking wave stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, what do you? Who knows? But uh, oh, Andy's got one. Andy's got thoughts. I got nothing. All right. <laughs> Normally, nothing. just FYI, when people raise their hand, that, that's a signal that they have something. I, I, thought I, <laughs> I thought I did. I thought I did. That's all right. I didn't. So Wes Borland, he grew up in Nashville as a metal fan surrounded by country music Nice. Fans. And this is a quote from him. My father plays acoustic folk music. I got my first guitar when I was 12. I grew up in Nashville, but I didn't want an acoustic. I was completely anti-country. Don't wake so stuff, because boats have wakes. <laughs> wake stuff? Wake stuff. That was That's, worth the wait. Yeah, I mean, it's a strange yeah. place that you put it, but it was worth the wait. That was definitely... <laughs> we'll just go... We'll put it... I'll edit it back yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you give us one more for safety? Just let's go down. And I don't know. God, geez, Adam, uh, Andy, what do you what do you think I the name of that Blip Biscuit like, cruise would be called? Rolling? I don't know. Like or, maybe... maybe I mean, oh gosh! Wake stuff. Oh, Wake stuff. <laughs> oh my God, Eddie, you're just so fast. Oh, you came Look up with that right off just, the cuff. It's like it was just there the whole time, and we couldn't find it. Jeez, amazing. And clean edit. And point. back to something about hot dog flavored water. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, God damn it! <laughs> Are you enjoying this so far, Andy? I love it. I love <laughs> it. I love it. I can. I can relate to both of them, and yet neither of them. Well, they're both in Lent Biscuit, so that makes them hard <laughs> to relate to in that way, for sure. What way do you relate to uh, the anti-country West Borland? Do you just hate country music? Well, yeah. I mean, I grew up, I grew up in a town that... Uh, well, not a town. Jesus. It's the second largest city in Iowa, but I grew up in the suburbs of it, and it was like, you know, lots of country fans. Country, country and gangster rap was what the kids in my, you know, junior high and... That's High school just, they just to. they skipped rock entirely. They just went either country or gangster rap. Yeah, I mean there were kids that were into Nirvana and the Pixies and the Breeders, you know, but they were like Who are the Pixies? I know the I know Pixies, but I don't know who the Pixies are. Oh wow. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> that was pretty great. No, thank you. I just mm, I think you mean the Pixies. If I may, sir. Mm. Sorry, carry on, Andy. Hold on, let me find this picture of me and Frank Black on my phone. I think you mean Black Francis. God damn you. 
No, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. It doesn't matter. Iowa, you were living in Iowa. Iowa yeah, you hated country. country. Like, I mean, and I, at the time, I wasn't into really, like, metal or punk, you know, or transgressive stuff at the time. I was into, like, jazz and Motown, mm. you know? Like, I listened to the really transgressive stuff in that literally no one else my age listened to it. Did you carry around a Victrola with you and just wind <laughs> it up so you could play your records for people? Like what, how far were you going with this? I, uh, I picture you with a typewriter. Am I wrong? You are. Uh, <laughs> Back but it's then, only but not now. <laughs> it was only because a typewriter was too modernist for me. I had oh a, my yeah, God. I used a quill and, uh, <laughs> and, and an inkwell is what I... Wow. Very nice. Committing to the bit even yeah. at an early age. And I sealed all of my correspondences with a with wax. Did you have a ring with your initials on it? <laughs> yes. Yes, a little signet <laughs> ring. <laughs> yep. Oh. So that's just like West Borland. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. The exact same. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean I but I I I I understand feeling alienated culturally from your peers, I should say. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what Limp Biscuit tapped into. They like there was I, I still I, I said it on the first episode, I think, where I think Limp Biscuit was sort of a reaction to Nirvana, like Nirvana spoke to one sort of outcast, disaffected group. And then Limp Biscuit spoke to that more conservative, but also show us your titties type group that mm. wasn't so well, like just like when when Obama, you know, for eight years was running the country, the conservatives were still kind of bubbling underneath and wanting their representation. And then Trump comes right. along and they get it. Fred Durst represented... Fred Durst is Trump. He yeah. represented that saying. crowd that wanted to go back to when music was yeah. show your tits yeah. and yeah. party yeah. and, and things like that. And then there like was that. all of those Shepard Fairey posters of Fred Durst. Fred Durst. <laughs> and it said dope underneath yeah. it. It was really cool. Or tits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had the tits yeah, one. Nir- yeah. I mean, Nirvana was the uh, was the reaction to you know hair metal. It right. was the, the excessive, like, we're, that's not who we are. That's not what we're about. That's not what right. you should be about. And then... The rap rock, new metal. I mean, because I wouldn't even call Limp Bizkit new metal, honestly. What they, would you call what them? What would you call them? Andy just calls it music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just music uh, to me. Art. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, they're like a... I, I think of them as sort of like the... Their relationship with new metal is the way that like MC5's relationship with like punk. Like they're like proto new metal, maybe. I yeah, I mean they are they're one of the early ones yeah. for sure. It was kind of them and Corn mm-hmm. and Rage sort of. and Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, Rage Against yeah. the Machine, but but I think Ra- Rage even occupied a different space. Yeah, I've always felt Rage Against the Machine was sort of a different thing. But I think that the guys well, cuz they were around in like 91, you know? Like Yeah, 1991. Yeah, that's part of the lyrics of their first record. <laughs> it actually references the it year is. in the it first is. record. Yeah. No, uh, don't date yourselves like that, boys. Look, they were on the Crow soundtrack, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Limp Biscuit would not be on the Crow soundtrack. Yeah, they would. 
if they were around at the right time, they were on. I think the, you're romanticizing the, the Crow soundtrack yeah. a little too hard. I right don't. Now. They were on the Mission Impossible. Possible. They were on the that. Mission Impossible Two soundtrack. Okay, not look, above. We, let's not compare the Mission Impossible Two soundtrack <laughs> to the Crow soundtrack. Okay, the Crow soundtrack, like the Judgment Night soundtrack, defines a okay, generation. I will. I will. Yes, but the Judgment Night soundtrack is what gives you Limp Bizkit. Yes. Okay. The Judgment Night soundtrack. And Anthrax and uh, the Public Bees? Enemy yeah. before that is what led to uh, Limp Bizkit. I'd argue Anthrax is... But uh, Rage Against the Machine predates that. But I, Anthrax is I Am the Man is what gives... Because it's the Attack of the Killer Bees. It comes up later. But the Attack of the Killer Bees of Anthrax doing rap and metal together yes. is what... Because it's 1991, always on the run. Seven years ago, we wrote this one. Stupid motherfuckers can slang and diss, but there was no bandwagon when we wrote this. Is what Scott Ian says in the remastered version of I Am the Man by Anthrax. Okay. So they wrote the first rap metal song in like uh, 86. Yeah, but. Yeah, okay. So had the Beastie Boys by then, though, kind of. Oh, no, yeah. I'm sorry. Pre, pre that. Yes, but the, be- well, but the Beastie Boys were more punk rap. I mean, yeah. And I, I don't, I wouldn't even. Like, I don't know that Rage was rap metal. You know what I mean? What would you? What would? You, now we get to get into genre conflict here. Yeah, although Maynard was on that first Rage album, so yep. that's oh, who knows? But you know what? Were they on the Crow soundtrack? Is the big question. <laughs> that is the defining question. Yes, and Rage was on the Crow. Was Anthrax on the Crow soundtrack? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. So, so uh, we mentioned earlier one thing that these two have in common: they're they're outcasts. Like that's. That's the only thing that Fred Durst and Wes Borland really have is they yeah. both felt like they were outcasts from their community and were kind of picked on and beat up as kids. And with Fred Durst, it's like, well, that's fine. But <laughs> kind of bummed thinking about Wes Borland all doctored up in his makeup and face paint, <laughs> getting the shit beat out of him as a kid yeah. for being dressed as a matchstick. Yeah, I'm a space monkey that found numerology. Shut up! <laughs> They also claim to have really violent tempers. I can see that. I can't. Can you imagine Wes Borland trying to break something? I've never even heard that dude talk, I don't think. <laughs> I have. He's shown up in weird places over the years. Huge collector of uh, of uh, skulls, Wes Borland. Yeah? Yeah. You know those you skulls? you work at a skull factory? What, no. Is he was murdering sh- people? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, guys don't do th- you guys don't go around and murder people and then... <laughs> Separate their heads. Yeah, and then the skull it, factory. Yeah, the skull factory. <laughs> and then you're always like, the guy comes in and he's all lit up with like weird red LEDs in his oh, face. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh my God, you were in that band I didn't like. And then uh, you sell him a skull. Yeah. They also, uh, this won't surprise anyone, very loving supporting families, both of them. Weird. Yeah. That is, that is. That's not weird to me because they were too, you know, they were too predictable as far as like. You know, they were into titties and stuff. Like, that's... Which is a, what a supportive family gets you. I'm trying yeah. to say something that I... Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is like, Okay. So they weren't... They didn't take it far enough, I don't think, to... Speaking of not taking it far enough, Andy, could you finish the thought? I'm trying to think of a way to say this, man. I... I don't. Th- I think that they, they. They. Okay, so I'm someone that comes from like a loving family, supportive family. Okay, but also didn't. But also was bullied by my peers and didn't feel like I had a place of belonging. You know, so I still had 
like, for the most part, solid home life. I don't think you get, like, you don't, you get Kurt Cobain when you get a broken home and alienation from your peers. You get Limp Biscuit when you get alienation from your peers, but, like, but mom, mom and, and dad, dad are still, still telling you that you can do it, you know? Interesting. Yeah. What I I'm saying is that. I'm Fred Durst. <laughs> yes. That's what I was taking from that. Yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Now that does track. Yeah. So what you're saying is uh, don't stay together for the kids. They turn out better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Like if you can hit your kid. Do no, it. I don't mean that. I'm, you know, obviously <laughs> like that's, I also don't believe in I, the whole, like you have to have a broken life to be any kind of artist. I don't, you know. It just I don't helps. Buy that either. It, it sure does helps. Help. Yeah. yeah, it helps a lot. Take some drugs. But all like, of those things. You know, the, the, you look at you listen to like Limp Bizkit and you can see like okay, antisocial anger. You can see like okay, there's a rage that's definitely reacting to a feeling of alienation and it comes from an honest place, but it's also not <laughs> traumatized enough to to like yeah. have, to have been right because they've both got a... loads of confidence yeah right exactly they're both very yeah. confident and willing to do just kind of whatever the fuck they want yeah. in life but also too like i find true true rage where you have no acceptance is very guttural mm-hmm. and uh fred durst was always like it's just one of those days like he's <laughs> kind of like yeah, exactly. whiny about exactly. it you know like exactly they do, uh, we just mentioned the Attack of the Killer Bees album. That's what Wes Borland credits with him getting interested in rap for the first time. Same for this guy right here. That's yeah. the whole thing. Like, when I went to college and I knew an entire, uh, 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 wow, went away. What's the, what's the, who do they, it's in, it's in the notes. Public Enemy? Public Enemy. There it is. Uh, when I knew a whole Public Enemy song, like, I made a whole, different group of friends because yeah. they were amazed they didn't know a metal band had covered it so it was like oh my god how do you know <laughs> yeah. you know all the lyrics to this song and the the public enemy version doesn't sound a whole lot different like that was a crazy song mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of stuff going on in the background of that song well because once again back was the incredible rhyme animal yeah the incredible d public enemy i don't know if you know this number one number one number one five oh said freeze and i got numb can yeah. I tell him that I never really had a gun because it was the wax that the Terminator X spun? Now, they got me in the cell because my records, they sell because a brother like me said, well, Farrakhan's a prophet, and I think what you ought to do. <laughs> I'm glad you got to the Farrakhan's a prophet part. We yeah, that's the important part. <laughs> yeah, that's, what we really, that's what this podcast really needs is yeah. that kind of attention. We need to alienate one entire demographic of the world. Yeah, from this recording. Yeah, especially a demographic that's <laughs> kind of getting some other attention right now. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, by the time I get to Arizona, is a pretty metal song. Oh, that's such a great song. It's an Isaac Hayes sample. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but it's anomalous hip hop wise. Like, it's not. It's unlike anything else that was. You know. Well, Public Enemy in general was. They had this production team called the Bomb Squad, and their whole production style was just chaos. Like, they just wanted a lot of shit. Like, so Public Enemy songs have, like, air raid sirens going in the background. Yeah. yeah. Um, So at the age of 18, Fred Durst enters the Navy. (laughs) Alternate Fred Durst timeline. Fred Durst, naval war hero. It could have been. Yeah. 
Rear Admiral Durst here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I choose to take that to the Navy SEAL level and say, oh shit, alternate yeah. timeline. Fred Durst killed kills Bin Laden. Laden. Kills Bin Laden. Ah, tip yep. of the spear. Yeah, yep. it's one of those days when you kind of want to break stuff. And then breaks out his skateboard, <laughs> ollies over his body. All right. Because we're getting to that, and I have a whole thing for that. Yeah, the, the he, most... I think he would tattoo Osama's dead face onto somebody. <laughs> like, as they're like, yeah! Yeah, the, the most... Seal of, Team Sick, bro! <laughs> Seal Team Sick. <laughs> the most amazing aspect of Fred Durst's naval career is that he got... A dishonorable discharge from the Navy after a skateboarding accident. <laughs> Andy. And look, I know that the reality of that is probably <laughs> that he was on base and just like. So yeah. what I'm thinking is that the reality is probably pretty mundane. It's probably like he, you know, was uh, rolled his ankle on a curb trying <laughs> to pop an ollie, you know, and then fucking. And that was that. And like. They were just like, well, you're not supposed to have this skateboard here on base. But, like, my brain sees that and is like, he was on an aircraft carrier. <laughs> yes. And he <laughs> was like, I just want someone out there to make a Tony Hawk level. Like a Tony Hawk oh, map. Nice. It's just Fred Durst, Navy skater. <laughs> and it's, you're on, a, you're on an aircraft carrier and you got to collect, you know, letters that spell out break stuff or whatever oh my god i, I love this you're you're grinding <laughs> off the wings of harrier jets you sure are you know and then which was and a, then there's like yeah. a sub uh, there's like a bonus part of the map where like a submarine surfaces and you can skate on the submarine but yeah you gotta go oh, down yeah. in the submarine yeah. down into and you the gotta submarine. grind down those to, rails yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to hit the bonus you gotta come back out before it dies oh yes and you get do back onto the carrier right uh and then i'd like to think that like in that universe Fred Durst, you know, hits some major trick off a fucking Harrier jet as a like a, another jet's trying to land. Like, you remember the Top Gun video game? How the Nintendo one? No. Do you remember that game? Of course not. Okay, so this is what I had when I was a kid. Was the Top Gun Nintendo game? And, and I'm was, guessing there's a lot of Harrier jets in it. There's no Harrier with... jets. In it. <laughs> but it's impossible to land on this fucking aircraft carrier. Harrier jets are the ones like in true I know what they are, take off. but they're a British airplane, but you keep putting them in the American <laughs> Navy, which is weird. Well, this is my... <laughs> Actually, Harrier <laughs> jets. Yes, they were British. flown by members of Pixies. Right, I'm trying to find this picture of me on a Harrier jet. <laughs> I just remember that they were the cool ones that could go up and down, so you could have that. That could be a fun part of a Alien Tony Hawk level. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Anyway, another jet's trying to land like in the Top Gun game, and that is fucking impossible, and it causes the jet to, you know, crash onto the aircraft carrier, and then like... So you, you think know, Fred Durst killed some people 40 people this. died. Oh, oh, yeah. All right. And that's the Durst discharge, the, yeah, you know? I want to know how dishonorable discharge is not a Lip Biscuit record. Like, yeah. How is that the, not their name? <laughs> I don't know. They had some questionable names. They did have some questions. I, I mean, they settled on a questionable name. Yeah, what was the one we liked from the first episode? I think it was Authority Porch. Yeah, 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 Authority Porch. Yeah. <laughs> if they were still called Authority Porch, this would be a whole different... Because you hang out on the porch and you just fucking sit there and judge other people as they go yeah. by. Oh, I love it. I would it. like it or better if it was... Or you don't even let people in the house. Yeah. Sorry, we're the Porch Authority. If it, exactly, if it was Porch Authority. Oh, the Porch Authority. <laughs> That's way better. It was right there. Because it's yeah. Port Authority, but I Porch Authority. Right, Andy. All right. Plug your mic in. <laughs>
Why does it keep coming unplugged? Oh, I wonder if you're stepping on it. You no, what happens is it keeps getting caught in this chair. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, it yeah. tugs on it, and I keep trying to uh, free it nah, from fine. its prison. Anyway, I just want someone to make that Tony Hawk level. I need to check that. I want, did, did he get a dishonorable discharge? That seems harsh. For skateboarding? <laughs> <laughs> You've dishonored the United States military with your I mean, skateboard. Then, how does he not have the skateboarding is not a crime stickers all over everything? He's probably got it tattooed on him somewhere. Probably, Probably did it himself. Mm. Except the not part is crossed out. Skateboarding is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's, a, it's a tattoo of Uncle Sam pointing, and he's saying skateboarding is a I crime. want you to stop skateboarding in my Navy. <laughs> so by 1990, the summer of 1990, Fred Durst is divorced. So he was married through all this. So he's, he's a, an ex-cop. <laughs> exactly. He's recently left the Navy, has a daughter, thank God. Wait, he's a daughter? No real job prospects, and worst of all, he's living in Jacksonville, Florida. And what is he, like 17 right now? <laughs> yeah, I think he, well, he went into the Look, Navy you, at 18. aged twice as fast in Jacksonville. <laughs> <laughs> as the uh, book Limp Biscuit, written by Colin Devonish, Shout puts out to it, Colin. This is a quote. Few people would have wanted to step into his shell-toed shoes. <laughs> What? What a great line that is. Oh, because it's... Few people would want to wear his multi-pocketed shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a pretty amazing line. Shell-toed shoes. I mean, it sounds like he's wearing shitty Crocs. Well, but Crocs didn't even exist. I know they didn't. They're talking about like the Adidas's and shit, right? Right. That that shell-toed thing. The ones that Run DMC made famous. Right. The shell-toes. The one that Corn made famous because all day they dreamed about sex and all they wore were tracksuits and those shoes. Okay, but Run DMC had a song called My Adidas in like 1987, so take it easy. I don't know, man. Nothing predates Corn in my book. <laughs> <laughs> I, just like, I just like watching Travis have it handed back to him, to be honest. <laughs> mm, actually, actually. On the Run DMC album. The, the proto-corn years when Run DMC <laughs> was at the Adidas's. And they also did kind of have the first rap rock song. Yeah, with all right. Aerosmith. Yeah. The true. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, you're right. Aerosmith yeah. and, and Run DMC. I don't mm-hmm. want to harp on any of this. Mm-hmm. But actually. <laughs> Time for a Fred Durst quote, y'all. I was a foreman at a landscape company cutting grass in hot-ass Florida. Then I started doing part-time at this surf shop. Then I learned to tattoo. <laughs> And I, <laughs> and I started doing it part-time just for fun. I fucked a few people up before <laughs> I was good. Then I started getting really good at tattooing. So I just kept doing it because I was making so much money. I just want to point out that Fred Durst is the original Florida man. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. I also want to suggest a new person to have as a guest in this podcast. Sure. The Fred Durst. F- <laughs> the first person that Fred Durst tattooed. Oh, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want Whoever anyone with there, a Fred Durst, shitty Fred yeah. Durst tattoo. Whoever out there is the first person that he put ink to. Uh, I want to see wanna, what it I is. I want to fucking talk to you. I don't want to see what it is. I like, well, here's what I like about this quote is that he, he actually talks himself up in it. I was the foreman. In a landscaping company, you're ju- you're just cutting grass. You're not a foreman, right? You're not. He's trying to make it sound like he's <laughs> achieved some kind of status within the landscape community. Like, no, dude, you're a lawnmower. I, I ever mean, saw the leaf blowing department, y'all. I don't know. I dream about being a landscaper sometimes. Do you? Yeah. 
A foreman of a landscaping business? I mean, look, I don't want to get too far ahead in my dream. <laughs> yeah. But you knock one out and then yeah, you yeah, attain let's, the other. Let's, let's start small. Maybe we'll make you a dreamscaper. Ooh. Ooh. Is that a reference to the movie with Dennis Quaid? No, it's more like... <laughs> oh, boy. It is now. Movie. Yeah, it's Actually. <laughs> it's a movie that predates Inception by 20 years. Uh, yeah, I want my the end to this podcast to be Fred Durst gives me my first tattoo. Sure. Oh, God, I'm so glad that's where it went. It did seem like it was going somewhere real what? weird. Wow. <laughs> I want Fred Durst to give it to me. <laughs> I didn't. Th- I didn't think I was going there at all. I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear that. No? Wow. But I mean, okay. <laughs> so yeah, as we mentioned, Fred uh, starts some bands around this time. Split twenty six, ten foot shindig, and the best abandoned band name ever, Authority Porch. Yeah, that would be way better if it were Porch Authority. Yeah, yeah Porch Authority. And split twenty six. I don't know what that means. Ten foot shindig. I don't like. Yeah, none of those are good. They're not good. They all allegedly all these bands sounded like Limp Biscuit, but did they ever put out less good? Could we go find a ten foot shindig tape I, somewhere? I really doubt it. I, I feel like there's not. So these are just like he's hanging out with some friends and making rap rap rock, and yeah. then they just come up with a name, and then they all break up because they're all foreman in a landscape company, and they all have sunburns. Yeah, okay, pretty much. And around this time, he starts approaching the band members that would become Limp Biscuit. He approaches Wes Borland. Uh, Wes Borland decides to join this band with him. Sam Rivers joins on bass after having been in a band with Fred that was called Malachi Sage. Okay, oh. that's a better name. That's, I mean, it sounds like a no. Children of the Corn character. Malachi Sage? <laughs> it sounds like a flavor of uh, incense. It sounds like a religious <laughs> hippie. It sounds, like, it sounds like someone who abandoned... The Children of the Corn to move to Taos, New Mexico. <laughs> oh, you have to meet my uh, my guru, Malachi Sage. <laughs> he uh, believes that money is evil, so we have to give it all to him <laughs> so he can get rid of the evil. <laughs> he believes in, some, in astrology, but also has very backwards thoughts about sexuality. He also thinks we should all be living underground. So Sam was still in Malachi Sage at this point. And... <laughs> This was this was a quote. This is I what, just can't hear that after we've personified Malachi Sage. To me, Malachi Sage is a human now, not a band. So when you say Sam was still in Malachi Sage, I want to say, isn't there a little Sam in all of us? No. This exactly. is part of our worship. <laughs> this is Fred Durst's quote to Sam Rivers. You need to quit this band and start a band with me that's like this, rapping and rocking. <laughs> rapping and rocking! He's a, he's a Mr. Show sketch now. It's like a rap, a rock, a rapity rock. <laughs> and Sam Rivers says, I grew up in like metal. I was totally into Megadeth, rocking it hard. Thank God I grew out of it. Hey, right. fuck you, Sam. Yeah, hey. fuck you, Sam. Yeah. Also, you weren't even into good metal. Yeah. Uh, I would argue, excuse me, <laughs> I still can't play some of those fucking uh, Rest in Peace songs. They're very difficult. Yeah, yeah. But they're not like, when, I mean, when you say rocking it hard, first off, don't say that. <laughs> Secondly, uh, everyone like, knows every metalhead always says, I was rocking it hard. <laughs> 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 it's like with Casey Kasem describing his brief period of... Uh, Back when I was in Megadeth, we were rocking it hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, uh, Dave Mustaine does literally say that. Uh, does he really? No. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He is a piece of shit. Let me tell you a uh, real quick side Huge note. piece of shit. The only thing, the only good thing that Twitter has ever given us is Dave Mustaine having a meltdown at Men's Warehouse. <laughs> The I, suit brokerage. I did not know about this. <laughs> yes. He got mad because he wanted to give his tour manager a new suit. And then the lead singer of Megadeth is like, I will never go to your discount suit store again. <laughs> Hello, me. It's me again. <laughs> Someone who no longer shops at Mitch Warehouse. I hope, business elsewhere. I hope he says that every time he tries on clothes <laughs> and steps in front of a mirror. It's the new me. <laughs> You're going to like the way I look, I guarantee it. I mean, if you stopped with metal at Megadeth, you, I mean, you you stopped way short of of the great, you know, the great stuff. Like, like I don't know. I don't listen to metal. <laughs> he grew out of it, no, thank I mean, like, God. Like, you know, you're not, you're not into any thrash. You're not into any, you know, black metal. You're not into, you know, you, have you ever listened to fucking Mayhem? Not a single Sam? band that ate their lead singer. No. <laughs> Missed that whole genre. Yeah. Death. Right? <laughs> death metal, yeah. No, literally no, the band death. death. Well, they were oh, yeah, Florida. death. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, good times. This podcast would be so much more fun if someone in Limp Biscuit ate someone. I mean, it's still time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... We still got some yeah. episodes to go. John Otto was added as the drummer at the suggestion of Sam, who was his cousin... John was studying jazz drumming mm. at the time at the Douglas Anderson School of the Arts. I mean, fucking Pig Destroyer, you know? <laughs> Are we going back into more of the metal that you should yeah, be listening so to? Yeah, I'm just okay, still yeah. thinking about it. Uh, yeah, no, uh, jazz drumming is the future you should have followed, John. <laughs> but all of these guys in these bands, like the guy who's in, um, uh, they wear masks and they're always like, suck my dick. The, the Slipknot? War? Yeah, Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we were both right. You're both right. You're both right. Uh, Slipknot, that guy's a jazz guy. Yeah. They're all jazz. Like, everybody who's a... Jimmy Chamberlain of Smashing Pumpkins, jazz guy. Yeah. Uh, Danny Carey of Tool, jazz guy. And then you always end up in somebody's art rap rock project. Yeah, so you I would describe Limp Biscuit as a art? jazz drummer for a little bit. Uh, I, 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 to some. <laughs> I would say that there are some people who took... Uh, who am I to judge? That being said, not, not the best art. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. They, they settled on the band name Limp Biscuit because they were intentionally trying to choose the worst band name possible. But they later learned that it's possibly also the name for a game in Australia where a group of dudes will have a circle jerk on a biscuit or a piece of bread, mm -hmm. and the last one to come has to eat the has bread. Has to eat it, yeah. Yeah, I That's, don't know why I, you don't know that. Like, I mean, it's Limp biscuit. Bis it's like, it's the Australian way of saying ookie cookie. It's like the right. same thing. Well, but what I like about it is that in Australia, it's a biscuit. In America, I've always heard it's like, we all get around a pizza. Jesus. A whole pizza? It's gross and it's a whole pizza? Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, I hear stuff you know like this. people who do I don't this. know about it. That's okay. the story. Okay. 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 Like, That's the it's story. It's not like you met someone. So you got enough people to stand around a pizza, jerk off on a pizza, and the last person to come on the pizza has to eat an entire cum pizza. Yeah. What do they call the band cum pizza? That's a great name. Yeah. We don't do this on a cookie or a cracker. We're not fucking weird. We do it on a pizza. It's a group activity you need at least six guys yeah i always hear stuff like that and i'm like have i ever had friends also you ever I've seen never six known... guys come at the same time that's not gonna fit <laughs> on one cookie 
I've never even had six friends at the same time. I've never had one <laughs> friend who Jeez. was like, hey, do you want to jerk off on yeah. this food item and see who does it first? Because I was like, no, I'll go get food with you. Look. But I'm not going to eat your cum. <laughs> Australia, though. You know? True. You know? Everything there is poisonous snakes and cum. That's <laughs> <It's> all <laughs> Australia. Yes. Yeah. So. I came on this biscuit. <laughs> they were trying to pick the worst name possible. Which, uh, right there. Why? Exactly. You already hate the thing you're trying to do. You don't even want to name it something good. I was in a band once where we were trying to change our name, and we were trying to come up with a name that we could all agree on, and we, there wasn't one. And as an April Fool's joke, everyone in the band conspired without me to try to convince me that they were going to change the name of the band to Butt Cum. Yep. <laughs> and it drove me nuts because I thought they were serious because they were very great at playing it off like they all thought it was a good idea. And they didn't even take that. That was a joke, one. And right. they didn't take it far enough to the point where we actually played a show under the name Butt Cum. These folks, <laughs> however... Look... I'm sitting here judging them for like, and then we just went out and like picked the worst name because fuck it. We started this podcast as a fucking joke because fuck it, and then we're still doing it. So right, really, right. I can't. Yeah, I, but we're not going to take this podcast to Woodstock '99. But we know, like we like forgive punk bands for that. Sure, a lot of punk bands have crazy, stupid, gross names. Can we change this to the Buttcom Pod? Is that too I, late? I, I, now I, that Andy's part could. of it, I feel like it should be called Buttcom. Buttcom Pod, y'all. Yeah, Buttcom Pod, y'all. Tr- look, I challenge you to name a punk band as that got as successful as Limp Bizkit, but whose name is worse. Well, Limp Bizkit probably it. didn't expect to get as successful as they did. Oh, uh, yeah. Because their other projects all went so well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they were like, well, this band's going to break up in two months anyway because our look, drummer hates our music because it's into jazz. I'm just and doing Sam's this until Malachi Sage breaks jam. the fucking charts. <laughs> Once Malachi yeah. Sage is like, you know, in shape to tour, I'm yeah, out Limp, of this. Look, let's be, let's be clear here. Limp Biscuit is 10-foot shindig yeah, side project. Right. This fucking clam-toed fucking dick knob. What was it? What was it? Clam-toed? Shell toad. Shell toad. Yeah. <laughs> Clam, huh? <laughs> I had to put it in there somewhere, Andy. Uh, you they, sure did. The band played their first gigs in the smaller side room of a now closed music venue in Jacksonville called Milk Bar, which was described as the CBGBs of Florida. Oh, great. In the book Limp Biscuit, written by Colin Devinish. Shout out to Colin! <laughs> uh, Wes Borland's costumes were a part of the band from the beginning one of them was called uh the burnt match where he wears black from head to toe covers his face and neck in black paint easy west problematic yeah careful wears black contact lenses and then puts grayish white paint in his hair and then says he looks like a burnt match nobody wants to hear limb biscuit they just came to hear wessie sing (laughs) (laughs) yikes Good news. They eventually they should have grew- called the band Jolson. <laughs> <laughs> Jolson Biscuit. Or the Jizz Singer. Then we the get a little Jizz- bit of everything hey, in there. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, they eventually built a local following and graduated to the main stage at Milk Bar. Hell y'all. yeah, that's a pretty day. How many stages did Milk Bar have? <laughs> Just- well, there's grief. There's <laughs> There's denial, bargaining, uh, um, 
and, and main, and main yeah. stage. And the main yeah. stage is acceptance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, really fun story. At one point, Sugar Ray opened four Limp Biscuit oh at Milk Bar. Even though Sugar Ray was already signed by then and Limp Biscuit was not. This is fucked up to me because this also would have been when was Limp Biscuit formed? Uh, <laughs> because no, that's yeah, that's the thing because Sugar Ray had already had, had they, Fly was at least out by this. Oh, because they used to be a hardcore band. Yeah, right. they were they were super different. So this is probably early nineties, like ninety three, ninety four. No, because Sugar Ray was still by ninety five. They were still doing like. The hard, the hardcore thing. Well, then this was like ninety when he started had he had no prospects, right? That's when when Fred was like scarring people with his bad tattoos. Uh, was and that nineteen ninety? I think that's what when that's when he was no longer Tony Hawking on the on the Harrier jets, <laughs> and he moved on. I feel like that was like nineteen ninety was what what you said. Uh, yeah, yeah, summer of nineteen ninety yeah. is when he. Uh, so yeah, this would have been early nineties. So Sugar Ray was still doing hardcore music at this right. point. Right, but they had but they, they were are, signed. They at least had a record deal. Okay. Uh, this is a quote from Jason Lewis, the booker at Milk Bar. They had charisma. They were tight. They'd bring out more people every time they'd play. Every month their crowd would double. I knew they had what it took to be something. <laughs> I got on the Limp Biscuit train early. Yeah, that guy was sitting on his authority porch be telling a, telling a yarn about <laughs> what the old Limp Biscuit days were like. Oh, Limp Biscuit, I could tell you a tale. <laughs> I mean, I, look, I love to be snarky about Limp Biscuit. Okay. But I also think that, I mean, I don't know. I probably would have been impressed by them. You know, if I'd seen them, like if I were, if I were living in Florida, first off, that's a big, that's right. a big part of this fantasy, right? Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and I, you know, I was going to see whatever was playing at Milk Bar. Sure. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. If if Limp Biscuit was the cream of the Milk Bar crop, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who else was playing there. Sugar Ray, but yeah, Sugar Ray was good though. I mean. So okay. That, all right. So you're a closet. No, 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 no. no. Pre-fly Sugar Ray was. No, no. Good. But you're a clo- You're saying you would have been a, a biscuit, an early biscuit adopter. Probably. If you were there in the scene at the yeah, time. Yeah. If I were, if I were there in that scene, I had never seen anyone like. Oh my God! You know who you'd Limp be? Biscuit. I know exactly who you'd be. The second Faith broke for them on three dollar bill, y'all, you'd be like. <laughs> I liked them before all of this shit. Like, I liked them, you know, when they were just, like, like Sugar Ray opened for them. Like, that's where it was. Like when they yeah, were doing yeah, all these yeah, songs, yeah. but you couldn't buy them. Yeah. Yeah. If they, look, if they were covering Faith as part of their show at that point, like before recording an album, which almost they definitely they were, uh, I would have been impressed by that. I did see them in concert once and they, what? Played, they played Faith and it was amazing. Did everyone lose their fucking shit? Oh, yeah. 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 Did they, everyone get the like we he, sure did. Okay, good. we got right the fuck up. That's good. <laughs> Just also, right up. He said they're they're tight. This is let's re- reread what this Booker said. <laughs> I do that a lot when I get notes from Bookers. Let's just reread what he this said, Booker okay, said. He starts with they had charisma. They were tight. He's not saying they were great. He's saying that they were charismatic and they were tight, and that they and then two statements about them bringing people. Yeah, that's what this guy cares about. And he's the booker, right. so yeah. that's why. Yeah. You know, uh, when he says I charisma, knew they had what they it were, took yeah. to be something, he's saying I knew they had friends. The charisma and tight thing is just I need to say something nice about the fact that when these guys are booked, 
more and more people show up. I don't give a shit about it, but I do like that people show up and support my milk yeah. bar. And if they were tight, that means that they knew how to play their own songs. You know, that's so. Or they just they yeah. didn't waste a lot of time. Or they were just <laughs> they were just super dope. They were just so <laughs> dope when you hung out with them. Uh, Fred Durst's ability as a marketer comes up in this book a lot. Too. That's true. They, uh, this is a quote from him. I would call up all these A&R people at all these different labels and pretend to be the band's manager. I would say something like, I manage this great band called Limp Biscuit, and they're going to be playing at such and such a place, and you need to catch them. I called everybody. Columbia, Jive, everybody. I BSed, basically. Jive? Jive. That was... Uh, oh, no, I remember. I just didn't seem yeah. like a where we'd put... Biscuit, but was maybe Kid Rock's first record. Oh, label. okay. okay yeah, yeah. And here, here we go. <laughs> this is a big part of my problem with Limp Biscuit is they're just like three steps removed from Kid Rock and three. A question, yeah, two. A question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one fandom two. wise, one. Yeah, uh, and that was always my problem was because I definitely from get go hated Kid Rock. Me as well. From Same. fucking step one. And Limp Biscuit, I could sort of see the appeal. I never got into them because it was like, well, I'm too old for this. Like I'm. Too mature for this, even this kind of shit. And I'm listening to the shit I'm listening to, you know? It was like a more juvenile kind of... It was a more juvenile version of the stuff I was listening to. Like, okay. Like, with Rage Against the Machine... The, 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 this is where the fandom thing comes in. With Rage Against the Machine, like, I loved Rage Against the Machine. Thought they were great. Still, still like them a lot. You go to their shows, and there's like half the crowd is these fucking frat boys with backwards white caps and polo shirts. Right. Who are like couldn't care less about what Rage Against the Machine is actually about, but that's their fans. With Limp Biscuit, I feel like that was their fault. Like it, with Rage <laughs> Against the Machine, you're like you're like okay, these guys are just assholes. It's not Rage's fault that they have these shitty fans. Limp Biscuit, it's like they also like Kid Rock, right, so they right, belong right. here. You know, like real quick, have any of you watched any of the Prophets of Rage stuff? Yeah, I no. listened to the record and I couldn't get through it. I decided to watch some of the like live videos and I was like, man, I don't know why John Favreau in like a Sheik's headdress is like so into Prophets of Rage. He's always on stage with them. He's not really singing, but there's John Favreau in the back row. <laughs> Nope, that's uh, it's DJ Muggs. <laughs> it's just what he looks like now. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. I forgot he was even in that group. Yeah. Crazy. So despite all of Fred's promotion work, their big break doesn't come until a show when Corn comes to town. Yeah. And Travis, go. do you know what this show does? Who does it change everything? <laughs> this show changes Everything. everything. We should explain to Andy that uh, throughout the course of the Nirvana podcast, there have been about 15 to 20 shows that were the show that changed everything. Everything was changed. Everything changes after that <laughs> Nothing show. that was before was after because everything changed. I like this. Can I borrow this gimmick for... <laughs> <laughs> can I do this with Cool School? You sure can. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna... You know what's gonna happen when you start doing it? Everything will change. <laughs> All of it. Uh, I'd like to take you to the time that I was on the uh, $3 Pod Y'all podcast before I started putting out uh, episodes of Ghoul School, and it changed everything. <laughs> everything. Nothing everything. that was before. <laughs> now, I should add Limp Biscuit wasn't on this show. <laughs> they just went to it. But Fred Durst somehow... Really? 
having Sugar Ray open for them didn't get them the opening gig for Corn. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. That is weird. <laughs> I mean, Sugar Ray was on the Escape from L.A. soundtrack. Oh, that is a soundtrack that that is a soundtrack. Very little. <laughs> no, I yeah. think you were right. But that is a soundtrack. That's the end of the sentence. That's correct. It had definitely had a soundtrack. But it changed a lot for me because it was the first time I ever heard Clutch. Oh shit! Was that soundtrack? Nice. And I got way into Clutch after that. Sorry. So, so Limp Bizkit, Fred Durst shows up at this show and somehow manages to talk the members of Corn into coming back to his house so he can give them all tattoos. Oh my god, that is the worst fucking. It's a bad I'm, idea. I'm actually very inspired by that. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. I mean, I've never met. I've never seen a band that I was like, oh my God, these guys are great. I wonder if I can trap them back at my house and permanently <laughs> ink them. It also, you know, this a story like this also firmly sets Limp Biscuit in the uh, Generation X pre-millennial uh, generation just because, uh, just by virtue of that's just not how it works anymore. You can't just go yeah. to a show and have a band come over to your place with the promise of tattoos and then they come and then you get successful. No. Mom and dad, sorry, not all of us got to give tattoos to corn. Those jobs aren't there anymore. <laughs> Those corn tattoo jobs? I'll never own a home. And he got to slip his demo to Fieldy. <laughs> <laughs> More importantly, who Fieldy listened to it and actually passed it along to Ross Robinson, who produces a lot of fucking new metal albums, or did back in the day. I would like to suggest to everyone in this room and everyone listening to go onto YouTube and watch the Fieldy bass instructional videos. <laughs> they are amazing because Fieldy, without saying it, admits that he doesn't know how to play bass. <laughs> nice. Does he tell you how to play bass in a way that a bunch of bullets will pass through a shack that in a way yes because he says the notes he plays are felt and not intended ah <laughs> there it is but yes I, I i know what you're referencing so he's a jazz guy <laughs> he's a type of jazz guy <laughs> yeah if you're fieldy it's about the bullets that don't hit you i want yes. to <laughs> <laughs> i want to see the band that fieldy and john otto start personally <laughs> Uh, DJ Lethal joined the band around this time also. Finally. DJ Lethal. <laughs> finally. They had briefly flirted with the idea of adding a keyboard player. Nah. That would have brought a dynamic to that band. Limp Biscuit, Synth Rap Pioneers. I would have been into that. I'm into that. I want Sean Carpenter be like Lim to play Synth for <laughs> Limp Biscuit. They'd have to be like Limp Biz Sticks if that's the way they were going with the Synth. And something really crazy happens around this time. They sign their first record deal when Wes Borland's not even in the band. Oh, that could be at any point. Yeah. <laughs> Borland is constantly not That's in true. the band. He and uh, Fred had a falling out. They re I love this story so much. They reunited after the band's flip. Band's van flipped while touring in Texas. Oh, my God. Uh, there were injuries. People could have died. It made Fred reevaluate his relationships and he reached out to West Borland, and they patched things up so they could focus on the important things in life, like recording Stinkfinger. Oh, that's and, their song. Yeah, that's the, like the first Biscuit. Like, right? Oh my god! And is this this is after the Tool song Stink Fist, right? Uh, no, before. Well. Stinkfest was after, because that was... By the way, Stinkfest, uh, if you've been listening to Tool all this time, it's about fisting a person. 
What? Yep. No. Come yep. on. That's what the whole song's about. No. That's why it's he says about, turn- It's about how, you yep. know, when uh-huh. you close your fist, uh-huh. when you close your hand into a fist, you're taking your hand, which is capable of so much, uh-huh. and, and shoving it up an it asshole. To, right. Confining it to violence, and violence stinks, man. Mm-hmm. That's what it's about, right? No, it's just about yeah, fisting an asshole. Yeah, I think it's about, yeah, it's about fisting an asshole. Fisting an asshole. Oh, I yeah, see. Yeah, it's the name Stink Fist. Yeah. 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 F and an A, as they call it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so Stink Fist is sequel to Stink Finger. I think you can't have a Stink Fist without a Stink Finger. Because you gotta you gotta it, it finger is, your way into the fist. It is it is going bigger, right? But also, you start with a stink finger. Because if you go straight to a stink fist, you, you gotta that's gonna be a shocker. You know that's gonna be a little too much stretching. Well, a shocker, 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 the shocker. That's a whole other thing. Talking about the yeah, movie Shocker with uh, yes, that one with the guy with Peter Berg. Yes. Right? But, oh yeah, the West I'm Grade talking the about movie. the Dane Cook symbol. Yeah. The shocker. Come on, the shocker. No, no, that's not the shocker. Oh, I never hey, liked do you, that. Hey, do you want to do the Dane Cook podcast? No. Yeah, sure. Why not? Are we doing that next? <laughs> yeah, I uh, never liked that it was called the shocker because it implies that it's a surprise that the person well, getting it didn't know it was coming. Two and in the pink, one, one in the stink, bro. That's something you have to have a conversation about. Nah, you can't just do man. that. You can't just. That's assault. Uh-uh. I don't like that. I don't think so. Not the way. Not according to my boy Durst. <laughs> <laughs> Does he do that? Is that his thing? I don't know. I thought it was Dane's thing. No, Dane's thing is the Dane super... Dane ripped f- it off, just like most the of his super material. Finger. Huh? No, the super finger, which is different, but it always looked like the same thing to me. Yeah. I'm anyway, confused. we're getting off track. Yeah, so our podcast is called Too Many Dane Cooks Spoil the Broth, <laughs> and it's going to be really great. You'll enjoy it. And we're almost done anyway. One interesting thing I didn't put in the notes here. Uh, they <laughs> When they were heading out to... When they had this van accident... They were driving to California to sign a deal with Mojo Records. And before they left, Fred Durst literally told someone, the only way we're not signing with Mojo Records is if our van flips in the desert. Oh, shit! <laughs> and their so van flipped. And then they signed with Flip Records. I would, oh my God. Later. What the fuck? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Guys, I now believe we're in a computer simulation. It's absolutely yeah, right. Absolutely, yeah. We're in like a PlayStation 12 I game. I now believe yeah. in God. But also, <laughs> think of it this way. Think of it this way. It's possible that he'd already gotten a call from Flip Records on the way to the Mojo meeting. And he was and he, like, and everybody was so stoked about the Mojo this meeting. This is going like, to make a great story. Oh, man, the only way we would do that is if like the van flipped. Cut to Fred Durst driving, dark night, (laughs) Texas highway. Everyone else is asleep in the van. He's like, this is going to sting a bit. This is the only way we're going to take the better deal. Fucking flips the van. Calls up Wes, breaks it's that's the mind but even my, better stops the van, gets out, flips, flips it, it like he's flipping a card uh, table. Yeah, I just can't see them on Mojo. <laughs> I can't see their van flipped. <laughs> but they were neither you, could God. Like, okay, who was? Hold on, who was on Mojo at that time? Was it Goldfinger? And I don't know. Uh, the maybe fact that mustard just, plug wasn't the it? fact that you pulled mustard plug and Goldfinger out. Deserves a round of applause if no one is uh, giving you one simultaneously. Okay, right here, now. real big fish, friggin'. I don't think people cherry popping daddy. Cherry popping daddy. Oh, come on! But mustard plug is such a deep pull. Mustard plug wasn't on there. Yeah, were on, but uh, that's a deep pull that you even know that band. Yeah, of course I know that band. I know you know that band. <laughs> I'm just impressed that it came up. 
look, stick stick with me. You'll get more mustard plug references. <laughs> uh, but they were from like Riverside or something, right? Or am I thinking of Skank and Pickle? God, what? They, no, Skank and Pickle was Skank and Pickle. Skank and Pickle, like Mustard Plug, was one of these ska bands. Oh God yeah. damn it! Yeah, and so how did we get to talking about ska? They had a he song. Said, here's Mojo why, Records. Here's why, thought, here's why I thought Mojo Records is because they had a record called Pray for Mojo. Oh, okay. That's why. That's how mustard plug. And came I knew up. that Mojo had ska acts on there. There okay. you go. There, that's how we got that. Skank and pickle. Skank and pickle. This is like that part in a show where you watch to the end, and then there's commercials, and then they come back and just go. So on the next episode, you're like, why the fuck did I watch all the commercials? <laughs> that's how everyone just hearing about mustard plug is going to feel when I say. So that's the end of the episode. Oh. Uh, after this, they they commence recording three dollar bill, y'all. Which I listened to recently, musically, kind of an interesting album. Oh yeah, uh, the the subject matter is questionable, but like the guitar lines and things like that, it's it's not not the worst. We'll talk about it more. That's what the next episode will be about. Be all about the three dollar bill, y'all. All about the recording a three dollar bill, y'all. We'll do an episode about uh, significant other. We'll do one about. Chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. Speaking of hot dogs, what do you prefer as a hot dog topping? God damn it! I'm into this. Let's go. Uh, what is? Well, what do you? What's your go to? I'm a. If I have my my your druthers, like, yeah, the, my druthers, yeah. Uh, I'm going chili and mustard. Interesting, uh, Andy. If I had my dursters, <laughs> yes, I'd go. I'm a look. I I'm a tourist, man. I love the Chicago dog. Okay, I so like a, nice, a tomato and the a, tomato slices, the pickle spear, the the neon relish, the uh, poppy seed bun. Ah, see, and I'm 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 a traditionalist. I just put mustard plug on top. That's all I put. <laughs> that's the whole. That's all God I do. It's <laughs> a long fucking way to go for this. Wow, it's a long fucking way to. go I was there. gonna chime in with extra <laughs> thoughts. Yeah, me too. I had I had a whole thing. I was gonna be like, well, well I used I to put talk American about the poppy cheese seed and bacon and on it. Sometimes peanut butter is good on a hot dog. What? what? Yeah, go to Vicious Dogs, man. No, no, yeah. I've been there. I've done that. I'm not gonna do any of these things. Peanut butter and bacon on a hot dog is great. It's great. All, All right, right Elvis. if you're vegan, <laughs> well, get a fucking tofu dog with you know a tempeh bacon strip and you know peanut butter. Oh, no, that sounds interesting. Right? That, that sounds horrible. That sounds great. So we should wrap this up. Do you have anything to mustard plug before we go? <laughs> God damn it. You can okay, sus- that was well done. Thank you. That was- <laughs> I guess you could subscribe to the rest of our podcast, <laughs> patreon.com slash unpops. Hey. Uh, check out the band Mustard Plug <laughs> if you can. Uh, they're really great. They're available for children's parties. Look, if Pop you mitzvahs. listen... <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'm going to listen to $3 Bill, y'all. Do a it. A bunch for this next episode. You listen to some mustard plug. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> we'll see if we can meet in the middle. See if we can Benjamin Button this whole $3 Bill, y'all, slash mustard plug. Uh, what else do we have to plug? Does anyone have anything to plug? Um, Heart Shape Pod, also available. Heart Shape Pod. I'm Word. on Townies, uh, July, whenever that is. You know. 8th. Is it 8th? Is the next Townies July 8th? July 7th. July 7th. I only know that that because someone on another podcast that we just recorded was also on that show and said July 5th, and Kevin Anderson said, nope, July 7th. Okay, July, good to know. July 7th. (laughs) July 7th. I mean, don't take my word for it. It's Kevin's show. 
Um, speaking from memory. I'm recently on uh, Maybe It's You, uh, which is a podcast on Starburns Audio. Pretty proud of that uh, little guest appearance, if you want to check that out. Um, and, of course, always subscribe uh, to all the Unpop shows. Do it. Download uh, the movie Los Angeles Overnight from iTunes. I think it might be on Amazon, too. I'm in it. Whatever. Oh, you're in it? Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. All that right. makes that, sense. That's, that's a better yeah. plot. I thought you were just like, while well, you're at it. Yeah. Go, oh, see, sorry, go, go see Deadpool 2. <laughs> yeah. Theaters now. Go back and give Sucker Punch another watch. I think it was a really <laughs> underrated movie. Listen, The Leftovers on HBO is a highly underrated show. <laughs> I really it. think you're, more you're people should have done it. I'm going to talk about The Leftovers. Uh, Look, The Expanse was just saved by Amazon. Yeah, I, I tried. Someone told me it was like The Wire, but in space, and it was none of those things. So, so great. uh I'm just mourning the loss of the Americans right now. Oh, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah, I, you, can we talk about the finale, you and me? We, can. we sure can. Okay. But you know what helps? With that just as much mustard plug as you can get plug, in. Yeah, we'll a lot of mustard plug. Through. Yeah. All right, God damn it, let's get out of here. <laughs> you know what happens when you get too much mustard plug on your hands? You get the old stink finger. That's <laughs> true. I have a stink fist from all yeah, of my yeah, 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 stink really fist bad. also. All right, let's get out of here. Andy, say goodbye. B- bye. Travis, say goodbye. <laughs> mustard plug. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. We love mustard blood. <laughs>